0: all right welcome back drake basketball fans it's time for another episode of the drake basketball podcast i'm here with eduardo coming to you live from mexico city so this is an international edition very
1: international very international i'm very frustrated at the fact that apparently, much to our surprise, Drake basketball isn't just in in every television here here in Mexico. So my uh, capabilities of watching the UAB game were very limited, uh, but we'll we'll get into that. But also, just really want to touch on conference play as we get ready for 2024, essentially.
0: Yeah, we're here to get you prepped for conference play, all the classic Valley rivalries that Drake will be enjoying this year. But first... Uh, Eduardo, you missed a wildly disappointing and frustrating game, probably the most frustrating game Drake's had this season at UAB. But I think the the main story that Bulldog fans took away from this was some truly horrendous officiating. Virtually every time down the court, there would be strange call against Drake or no call uh, for the Blazers. And the UAB announcers did not comment on either.
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned, since I couldn't watch the game, I had to watch some of the highlights and then play box score detective trying to see things that jumped out. So obviously the free throw discrepancy was one of them. Uh, UAB shooting 26 free throws compared to Drake's 12 free throws. Did you feel like UAB was being doubly aggressive uh, going to the hoop?
0: No, that's the weird thing, because UAB shot more threes than Drake did. So this wasn't just the fact that Drake was going Golden State Warriors and just trying to rain threes the entire game. There were so many drives with you know, hacks across the arm or hand checks or grabs, and Drake just wasn't getting anything called on the offensive end. Oh, It was gross, dude. It was gross to watch. You chose a good game to miss for most of it, with the exception of a crazy buzzer beater from Tucker DeVries. Launched a three with like two seconds left from deep with two defenders around him. And it bounced up off the backboard and in. And, uh, yeah, it was it was incredible going into overtime. I felt like we had all the momentum, but uh, just couldn't get it done late. So I do want to ask a couple more things. The overtime
1: period, what was your take on the last play that was drawn up? Because, uh, again, obviously Tucker hits the three uh, to send it into overtime. And we we had a look to win it. Uh, so what what was your take on that last play?
0: We did. I mean, I know a lot of fans were upset that Tucker didn't get the last look in the game, but Atten had been solid all game long. He was 6 for 11 from the field. He led us from scoring with 20 points. And with the way he's able to make free throws when he gets them and how effective he'd been around the rim, I didn't have any problem with him uh, going in there and taking the shot for himself. There was definitely contact. Uh, there was more contact when Brody tried to get the rebound afterwards. I'm all for Atten taking the ball when he's got the chance because he's a prolific scorer. Yeah, and the other thing that jumped out at me as well, you know,
1: we mentioned the free throws, but also the turnovers, and and I was curious. I mean, did you feel like there were some calls there that just didn't go drake's way i mean brody had five turnovers debris had five turnovers drake is usually a team that takes care of the ball they're usually winning the turnover battle uh, so that's another thing that jumped out because again without having watch, watched watch the game i was like i mean were we just being careless were we getting hacked how, how did that part of the storyline play out
0: combination careless hacking <laughs> I mean, UAB, UAB is a very athletic, uh, aggressive team, which is why we beat them a lot of the time on some backdoor cuts in the first half. DeVries was setting up a lot of great sets for Drake to take advantage of that aggression. But I mean, I think, you know, there's just times you get sped up a little bit. And obviously, Drake was playing without starting point guard Connor Enright. So you had true freshman Colby Garland playing in a tough road environment against a very aggressive team. So when the refs allow them to play as physically as they did, and then you're playing with uh, some less experienced players, you're going to have more turnovers than usual.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a disappointing loss. I mean, when you look at the totality of Drake's non-conference, it still looks pretty good. I think I had asked you a couple episodes ago how, how you would rank at Drake's non-conference thus far. They end up 11-2, and a couple nice wins, and yeah, the Stephen F. Austin loss looks pretty bad right now. It's just a bad game for Drake. But now, I don't know, I think UAB will end up being okay. They haven't had a great start to the season, but as you mentioned, you know they, they are pretty talented. So I think that loss won't look that poorly as the season goes goes on, uh, but just kind of a blown opportunity and and also just a weird timing in the schedule. I mean, right before Christmas Eve on the road against, I would say they're still a pretty quality opponent, just scheduling quirk, no Connor. Um they were right there to win it essentially.
0: Yeah, it's funny and you'll laugh. UAB reminded me of Mark Phelps Drake teams. They have a lot of talent on the roster but they struggle to put things together consistently, mm. but every season they'll have a few of those games where their talented players will have great nights on the same night and they'll beat someone that they shouldn't. Like you look at Phelps's team in 2013 and Drake beat a top 25 Creighton team led by future NBAer and NCAA player of the year, Doug McDermott that Drake team finished 15 and 17 and got bodied in their rematch with Creighton at arch madness that year. But for that one night, all the pieces came together and they beat a team that they shouldn't have. So, I mean, the reason it's so tough now is because of how little leeway is given to great mid-majors. If Drake were in a power conference, this would be one misstep followed by a full season of second chances to make it into the tournament as a middling team. But as it stands now, it's a big blow to our at-large chances and puts more pressure on the Bulldogs to dominate in valley play.
1: That's a good point. I mean, I think Linardi had us that first four out prior to the uab game and this is just straight up right as an Mm at-large uh so then after that i think they he has his rank like 85th now so yeah i mean it's it's kind of crazy and i know we talk all the time about the pressure of winning the conference tournament and not wanting that but i think realistically for drake if they're wanting an at-large bid that doesn't include winning the conference tournament it likely means maybe one maximum two losses in conference play and then getting to the title game. That's and I mean, that's a that's a lot of wins, essentially uh, yeah. with without having any hiccups along the way. So yeah, the ad large stuff took a big hit because there's very, very little room for error,
0: but on the bright side, the valley's doing well this year. So, Let's take a look. Right now, the Valley currently sits at ninth in the net rankings, just behind Loyola in the A-10, and just ahead of Wichita State in the American. Nine out of the 12 teams are in the top 150 net, with Illinois State just over at 189, Murray State at 272, and Valpo bringing up the rear at 316 out of the 362 eligible Division I basketball programs. Drake enters conference play with a 10-2 record and sits at 74 in the net. Oh, yeah, I think
1: I think technically they list us uh, at at eleven and two, but I believe one of those is an exhibition, so you can scratch that one. I did say eleven and two earlier. Uh, i guess I guess we don't get the credit of beating Truman State, but you know, we can try.
0: <laughs> no, you know what? Let's take the credit, bump it back <laughs> up, eleven and two. um, so, Yeah, the Valleys look pretty good. There's still some high-profile
1: matchups right before the end of the year. I know Indiana State is going to be playing Michigan State. Evansville, I believe, is going to be playing uh, Cincinnati. Uh, So still a couple opportunities. Don't feel the best about some of those. Uh, But if we can grab maybe one or two here or there, maybe just pump up our rankings one more time before we fully go into conference play.
0: Yeah, and that Nevada win we had is looking better and better because right now they're 37th. Uh, we're still their only loss, and after losing to Drake, they've beaten Temple, TCU, and Georgia Tech. Two of those three victories coming by double digits. So
1: yeah, well, you know they couldn't beat you know powerhouse Drake, but you know that's okay. Uh, Alford can try another time. But looking at the Valley, I feel like we've gotten a pretty good sample size now. I mean, essentially a little over a third of the season has gone on. We had the the short two-game window. So who scares you right now in the Valley? Seeing what you've seen in the non-conference and the and the two conference games, which team
0: is the scariest in your opinion? It's gotta be Indiana State. Robbie Avalo is a monster. He is averaging 16 points, four assists, and shooting 47% from three. They've got great strength at the guard spot. Isaiah Swope is tied with Tucker for the second leading scorer in the Valley at 19 points a game. And overall, they're one of the most efficient offenses in the country. As of this recording, I think they're 11-1 and one, uh, with their game. Next game comes against Michigan State, which I think they're going to win that. So as of now, on the national landscape, they're the favorites to win the Valley. And I think they're by far our biggest challenge, especially with some of the matchup problems we're going to have with a center who can play outside obviously forces Brody out of the paint. But for me, it's the Sycamores. How about you?
1: It's hard not to say Indiana State. I mean, I can be a contrarian and pick at. Their non-conference was pretty weak. Uh, I think what's been impressive about them has been their ability to just completely blow out teams, something that Drake hasn't done great in the the non-conference. So they haven't played the toughest schedule, but the teams that they've played, they've just killed. Offensively, they're probably the best team in the valley. They just have a lot of guys that can shoot it. They move the ball well. Uh, they seem to run their system really well. You know, last year when Drake played them, uh, both matchups against them were really tight games. Went one and one. So yeah, I think I think it is Indiana State. That Michigan State matchup will be interesting. You know, Michigan State has been kind of up and down. I mean, they were really highly ranked to start the season and then kind of fell off a cliff. But that would be a, a big win for the Valley, and I am curious to see how how Indiana State responds. Their, their only loss was Alabama early on in the year. If we want to throw in another team, I would say there's something about Belmont that I think is still there and not too different from Indiana State. They're just a good offensive team. They score the ball. They know how to pile up 20-win seasons. They looked horrific to start non-conference play, but they've turned things around. You know, they've been playing much better this past month, and they went 2-0 in, uh, in the early season conference window, uh, killing and I in the process as well at and I, Those would be my takes, uh, but then you also have to worry about does Missouri State figure out their talent? You know, does Bradley start playing like they were earlier in the season? They'll still be in the mix, but I think it is Indiana State. For sure.
0: I know you've said in the past that you don't get too worried by teams that try to out-offense Drake. Obviously, Indiana State and Belmont are both going to be teams that try to do that. Does that give you a little bit more assurance uh, in terms of your hopes for our conference performance?
1: Yes, yes, 100%. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because when you look at Darren DeBreece-led teams, we tend to do well against teams that are offense-first. I think Indiana State is probably, you know, on a little bit of a different level with how well they execute on offense compared to Belmont. But it's just, it's always those slow it down, yucky games that that give Drake a lot of trouble. Historically, I would say with Coach DeBris, we've generally had one of the best teams in the Valley. And what that does is teams want to slow it down, they want to shorten possessions, you know, they want to limit possessions. So Indiana State's not going to really play that way. Belmont's not going to play that way. So from from that standpoint, that's where I think, yeah, they'll be a tough out for sure. But it's also a style of play that I think generally benefits Drake.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've had some very limited success when scoring 80 points a game or more, I think.
1: That is the stat, the the magic stat. I mean, we are the 96 bulls when, whenever we score 80, <laughs> 80 plus points. So whenever we get to 80, we know we're going to win. But is there anyone that you see as a kind of as a dark horse or any anyone that you could see making a run?
0: I think Bradley will rebound from their bad start to get back into contention just by virtue of how consistently they exhibit the effort that they do on defense um, and some of the experience they have on their team. I would guess they'll finish right around that four to five range. I I know, you know, obviously you and I was your preseason pick for Valley champions, but I just, I don't see them coming back. Uh, They haven't looked good to me at all this year. So I'm going to have to bet against your Panthers. I'm sorry. You know how much I love my
1: Panthers. Um, (laughs) I don't, you, I don't know. I don't know why you bring them up. I don't want to reverse jinx them and and have them start going on like a five or six game winning streak. But, but no, I don't see. I don't see you and I uh, bouncing back. I think that the team that I'm not so sure about, and they've kind of been this way for the past few years, and that'll be Drake's first opponent coming out of the break is Illinois State. You know, they seem to always. They're definitely not, you know, bottom feeders. They're not really at the top of the conference either. And they generally have a couple decent scores. And this year seems to be kind of kind of about the same. But I would say that they're probably the team that I, I just don't know what's going to happen
0: with them. Yeah, they're tough to pin down. Um, they're led by Darius Burford, at, I think like 14 points a game or something like that. They're pretty evenly spread in terms of scoring distribution. They're young, they're athletic. But ultimately, I don't think they're going to have the experience and not to to Darren DeVries horn too much, um, but coaching advantage that, that Drake has, just I see as probably winning that one yeah. at home by 10 to 15.
1: Drake does have a pretty challenging, I would say, after the Illinois State game. You know, and I don't I don't want to go too deep into our schedule, but that. They have a really tough three game stretch right after Illinois State, you know, playing at Belmont, then hosting Indiana State and then at Southern Illinois. So just something to watch out for, because again, you don't want to you don't want to fall behind the valley race and just right off the bat, they're going to have two really tough road games and then a huge mm-hmm. home game against Indiana State,
0: yeah, that's going to be a crucial stretch in this year's valley race. I mean, Drake, they have to go. Ideally, they almost have to go four and zero there, but at least three and one.
1: No, no doubt. You know, we've talked a little bit about some of the other teams. You know, what's one thing that worries you about Drake uh, heading into the thick of conference play?
0: With the Bulldogs under Devries, I'm always extremely confident in the things that we can control. Like inevitably, we're always prepared. Like we have the right looks going to, into games. So I think my main concern is my main concern every year, which is injuries outside of winning a lot of games. Drake's teams over the past, you know, five, six years have been marked by an incredibly bad luck run of injuries. Like whether it's Nick Norton tearing his ACL slash MCL against Evansville earlier in the season, Roman breaking his foot every other game, Tremell screwing up his elbow. Um, this doesn't really count as an injury, but, obviously Garrett getting food poisoning before Miami last year in the tournament. Yeah. We just seemingly always have some sort of an unlucky disadvantage coming into play. So at the top of my Christmas wish this year would be just to go injury and illness free.
1: The funny thing about what you just ran through, you're basically mentioning like three to three or four years and you probably omitted about, four or five other major injuries. I mean, that's how that's how much Drake has been hit by the injury bug. Like, you know, Tank uh, injuring his knee, Nick McGlynn getting injured right at the start of the NBC uh, Conference Tournament. I mean, DJ Wilkins uh, tearing his ACL against Missouri State right before yep. the tournament. Like, you can just go on and on. Like, Drake has had the worst injury luck. So we almost expect, like, we're going to be down a starter. Uh, hopefully no more than two. And I think Drake, Drake fans <laughs> It's would usually take at least two. At least two. I think if you got just a collective, like, you know, sign me up across all Drake basketball fans. If you said, hey, we can guarantee you will only have one starter out or just roll the dice. I think everyone would say, let's just have the one starter out and we'll make that deal because uh, it, it hasn't worked out very well for us.
0: This year, we already have you know DeVries battling a shoulder injury and Enright out for who knows how long with his, I believe it's a shoulder injury, he was wearing an ice pack on the shoulder, it looked like.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And I know we haven't touched on it on the pod, but Ethan Roberts uh, will not be suiting suiting up for Drake this year either. Uh, So from that standpoint, another contributor that was expected to probably be a starter for Drake, he's not going to be a part of this season's outlook but I think for me, you know, the thing that worries me the most, and I know I've, I've been harping on it, but I still think it's bench scoring. I've been very worried about the point guard position, but I've been encouraged the last three or four games. I think we have, we've gotten a little bit more stability with Connor not necessarily shouldering the load as much. I think we've found a good balance with Kobe Garland being a key contributor, Kyron kind of being a, a steady presence off the bench, and then And right, just kind of running the show here and there, too. So I think we figured out our point guard mix, so I feel better about that. But I don't like looking at our box scores and seeing like four points, six points, seven points consistently for bench scoring.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. But like you said, I think now that they're doing point guard slash two guard a little bit more by committee, that's giving the opposing defense is a lot of different looks and I think that's been working really well for us so and also just like from a defensive standpoint our point guard play and guard play in general has really amped up lately we've been getting a lot of good ball pressure disrupting passing lanes so I think our guard play is only going to continue to get better yeah and I guess to be fair
1: you know to Drake's team and rotations in general I mean we are top heavy I mean when you look at Brody, Tucker, Adam Wright, and Kevin Overton. I mean, four of those guys are playing essentially 32-plus minutes a game. So it does make sense that we don't rely on bench scoring as much. But in a long conference season, you do need you know, just more contributions off the bench.
0: Who do you see as someone on the bench who has the biggest potential to sort of elevate their game and make a big impact on this team by the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, I we've talked
1: about it before. I mean, I think from a just purely scoring standpoint, uh, it, it has to be Carlos Rosario. Uh, I think Kyron gives us the steady run the show, run the offense presence. Kobe kind of gives us defensive energy, but I think the one guy that can really be a difference maker and kind of give a different look is carlos rosario i've been surprised at the amount of minutes that he's been getting you know generally about 12 to 18 minutes a game Uh, so hopefully he's someone that as the season drags on and you're trying to limit minutes and kind of manage everyone's loads that he gets a little bit more of an opportunity because you know he's one of those guys who who just kind of can score from a in a variety of different ways you know he he has a, a little bit of a runner game he he can uh, get to the hoop he can hit the three every once in a while so i i
0: think it's him for sure nice yeah i would agree with that i'd really like to see him get some more looks from outside because in his limited minutes he's done a good job of sort of penetrating which is something we absolutely need but i think at his size like he can get looks when he wants to and he's shown that he can knock him down. It might've been like the blue white scrimmage or something, but he knocked down four or five threes. I want to say you were there. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: he can shoot it and he is one of the, one of the most athletic guys for Drake that can just, he's just long, you know, he can get to the hoop. I did want to ask, you know, as we kind of wrap up our, our conference preview, can you give me one, prediction that you think will happen during conference play
0: um yeah I do have one prediction that I am I'm actually extremely confident about I would take out a loan on my house and put all of that money on the fact that Bradley fans will continue to crack us up throughout conference play all we heard about this summer was how incredible the Braves were going to be thanks to their offseason acquisitions they signed a multitude of dudes averaging like six points a game. They were ready to be crown champions. They were telling us how uh, Amarion Ellis, the transfer from Marquette was ranked more highly than Tucker coming out of high school. And so he was going to be better than the reigning Missouri Valley conference player of the year. So they were ready, you know, I mean, they had the space cleared out on their trophy shelf. Like, here we go. And since then, Amari and Ellis has been averaging 12 minutes a game, two points a game. The Braves are eight and five overall and off to an 0-2 start in NBC play. Um, So I continue to look forward to more wildly reactionary takes uh, from the Bradley fan base.
1: That's expected. Uh, I think (laughs) we've seen... We seem to, you know, Drake Twitter and Bradley Twitter seem to be just intertwined over over the past few years. So So I'm sure the back and forth will continue. My prediction, it's been, what, 12, 13 games into the season now. I've seen a decent amount of NBC basketball thus far. Valpo is the worst team in the conference. Lock it in. They'll be they'll be the bottom of the bottom for the conference. I think UIC is much improved. I've I've liked how they've looked. Obviously, Evansville, we've talked about before, playing really well. So once you take them out of the equation, like, who can Valpo beat? So to me, it's Valpo, worst team in the conference.
0: I'm just glad we got our at-Valpo game out of the way already. I know. That would be like now trying to play the Pistons,
1: you know, with their... (laughs) god-awful long losing streak and you don't want to be the team that loses so thankfully we got the valpo game out of the way we looked horrible for a half and then finally we woke up and we're like okay we're playing in a high school gym let's just win this game and, and move on and valpo i mean honestly they're in a little bit of a youth movement i think the last game i saw they're starting three freshmen so it's all part of the growing pains of that program, and they'll they'll get better. But just looking at at the valley this year, I I think we really are going to have three or four teams, and then a glut of middle teams, and then you'll kind of have like Valpo and UIC ish towards the bottom.
0: Yeah, Valpo is frustrating because it's just wild how damaging having a team down in the 300s is to the overall conference analytics it's like just really put in the work and get up to like 275 like murray state (laughs) oh and i you know at the time of
1: recording i don't want to spoil a balpo comeback but they are getting crushed by elon as we speak so (laughs) (laughs) i think that rank is going to go down even further what's the score on that one uh, they're down 13 at the half at Elon. They were down like 18 <laughs> at one point. So just just letting you know, at the time of recording, Valpo was down. Maybe they'll come back and win the game.
0: I don't know why you were trying to put a damper on my day. You could have just <laughs> let me go about in peace, not knowing that Valpo was falling to the mighty Elon, whatever Elon's mascot is.
1: Well, Illinois State also plays Kentucky. Uh, so maybe we can get a. A Valpo loss that equals out with a crazy Illinois State over Kentucky win.
0: There you go. Illinois State could be uh, the Evansville from a few years ago when they pulled off their Rupp Arena upset. There you go. Exactly.
1: One more, one more NBC question for you, not to be complete Drake homers, but do you think someone other than Tucker DeBreeze wins conference player of the year?
0: I'm thinking long and hard about this. And the question isn't whether I think someone else deserves to. The question is whether I think someone will. And I, I think someone might just because voters like to mix things up. There's such a thing as voter fatigue. He won it last year. He came into it projected to win it this year. And if Drake comes in second, to Indiana State, I think they would give it to either Robbie Avila or Isaiah Swope.
1: Yeah, I think that's a scenario. But I I also think that it would probably have to be something where it's not like it was this past season where Drake and Bradley were pretty much 1-1-A when they finished out the season. Uh, but I think it would have to be like Indiana State, you know, wins the Valley by two or three games. And then, you know, you you kind of do like, okay, you have to give it to the best team. But, but then again, you know, it might hurt them that they have two really good players on that team. So then you kind of split boats in a way.
0: Yeah, and also let me clarify, because I don't think that drake will lose to indiana state i still am fully on the bandwagon of expecting drake to win the MVC. but if indiana state does pull off the upset and beat the preseason number one drake bulldogs i think they'll give it to someone on indiana state
1: yeah and that's fair i mean i think that's a scenario that that can happen indiana state if they win the valley outright MVC. Tends to go pretty chalk in just giving it to the best player on the team that wins the conference, which is why Bradley fans were outraged when uh, Rink <laughs> Mass was not conference player of the year. But yeah, they tend to be pretty chalk, I would say.
0: Well, yeah. And to be fair, Rink really showed that he deserved the award over Tucker when he put up four points in the NBC championship game last year. Like, heck of a player
1: he was upset you know and his way of showing that was completely no showing the entire conference tournament so that that was his way of of really showing he was deserving of the POY.
0: he didn't decide to show up and outplay he said no i'm taking my basketball i'm going to nebraska
1: he was already in uh, Cornhusker land at that point
0: in his mind oh, the bright bright lights of lincoln nebraska
1: uh, any other any other uh, parting thoughts about conference play before we get into uh, Illinois State?
0: Just that I'll be very interested to see how Evansville does. I feel like we've kind of completely forgotten about them. And as of this recording, I want to say they're like eleven and two. Or-
1: Evansville
0: is give me a second, ten and two. Yeah. so it's just kind of funny how we've completely discounted them despite the fact that, They're right up there with Drake and Indiana State for the best overall record in the conference.
1: That's a fair point. But, you know, I mean, their two losses were at Missouri State, lost by 12 in a game Mm -hmm. where Missouri State had several guys out and they played at BYU. BYU is a pretty good team. Uh, They lost by 41. Uh, So I think Evansville is much improved. I just think that, you know, it's one thing to kind of turn your program around and, and you know, be knocking on the door of maybe 20 wins this season, but it's another to kind of go through the valley and and win it outright.
0: Oh, absolutely! This is uh, this is year two for the new head coach, um, and just the fact that he's gotten them where they are today is a big big accomplishment for them and David Ragland. So good for them! I do think they'll finish behind Indiana State, Drake, Southern Illinois, Missouri State, and uh, probably Bradley and probably Belmont, but. Shout-out to Evansville for the hot start.
1: Shout-out to Evansville.
0: But yeah, no, uh, I, I didn't do a deep breakdown of Illinois State, so if you want to take us away... I would be happy
1: to. You know, Illinois State, we touched on them earlier. Always a team that's a little bit hard to figure out. Always kind of around 500-ish. Always around the 8-9 seed. That's kind of how how they've played. And this year has not been... Much different. You know, they come into it eight and four. They lost to St. Louis, a team that Drake beat that was at St. Louis. Best win of the season. Probably Murray State, I would say. They beat Northern Kentucky too. You know, they're not that great. So when you go through their non-con and, and the conference schedule, they haven't really played anyone that would really tell you much about, you know, what's their ceiling. Uh probably they're Their most impressive stretch was just beating UIC at UIC and then beating Murray State in that early conference window. Uh, They're actually one of four teams that went 2 0 in that uh, early season conference window. So they're led by their guard, Darius Burford. Super quick guard, you know, six feet, really light dude, um, can just really score. You know, it's kind of him. And then they also have, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I'm going to have to look him up. But while I do that, I will say they also, as I mentioned, play Kentucky uh, to close out the year. So if you want to get an idea of how good or bad that team is, that would probably be the time to do so. And the other guy that I wanted to touch on from them would be Kendall Lewis, uh, forward kind of can do a little bit of everything. More inside, he's the other guy that I think Drake should keep an eye on. But but I think it definitely starts with Darius Burford. If Connor is still out, probably Kobe Garland's going to get the assignment of being the pest and the annoyance. And probably a, a good matchup for Drake coming out of the break to start out getting Illinois State at home.
0: Yeah, and one thing to keep an eye on if you do check out that Illinois State Kentucky game, former Redbirds star Antonio Reeves, who had 25 points against Drake in their last meeting, um, has now been the star of Kentucky for two years. So it'll be interesting to see the Redbirds match up against their former teammate.
1: No, that's a good call. I think it is funny to see the reaction when you have like a really good MBC player playing really well at a what do you call a Power Five uh, team uh, for a oh, group yeah exactly they'll be like wow i can't believe that that guy can actually play basketball uh um, like damask <laughs> at at illinois or i mean it's wild like antonio reeves is probably their best player i mean he, he's averaging 18 a game for kentucky and here he was in the valley for you know three years essentially pretty much doing the same thing uh so it just shows you i mean it's a guy that can score at that level can score at probably a lot of different levels too it's just the mid major thing kind of get gets uh, overlooked
0: a little bit. I was just going to say it's funny because people who actually know basketball know that if you can play in the valley, you can play elsewhere. Like if you you have scouts, like you have NBA scouts like, "Oh, this guy's putting up 20 points a game." Like in the valley he's extremely good. He can play in the league. But it's the casual fans of Big 10 and Big 12 and SEC teams that are like, "Oh, like the NBC, like, hmm, I don't know if he'll be able to dribble a basketball at this level." <laughs>
1: I mean, Southern Illinois had Lance Jones,
0: who's starring in Purdue, and
1: Marcus Damask, who's starring at Illinois, and they were essentially—they have been like the fourth or fifth best team in the Valley the last few years. But then again, like you put them in a team like Illinois and Purdue, and you're like, "Oh wow, well, that that much, that just means that the Valley's probably you know not very good." Instead of the opposite take.
0: Yeah, those are the takes you get when you have fans of brands rather than basketball.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask before, I mean, is there anything that stood out to you researching Illinois State, their non-conference, some of their key players?
0: Yeah, I I think the same as you. This is a team that relies on offense more so than defense. Uh, They're going to be quick. They're going to want to push the ball. They'll probably try to pressure us a little bit on defense when we have it. Just from a personnel standpoint, Brody, as is the case in most games, is going to have a size advantage inside. I'd really like to see us get him the ball inside more because he's just been so efficient this year in terms of when he gets the ball in the post. To an extent we are underutilizing him a little bit. So I'd like to see us get it to Brody, get it to Tuck in that mid-range game. Cause obviously Tucker is the best player in the conference, future NBA player. But the the problem we do have is sometimes when he gets on a heater and he'll take a shot from, you know, 30 feet or whatever, um, when he could potentially work the ball inside more or run off a screen and get more of an open look hopefully but yeah no i'd love to see us get the ball to brody inside and then work to get a little bit better shots on offense
1: yeah and so you got to take care of business at home against illinois state and then from there really key stretch at belmont home to indiana state at southern illinois and then we actually play at illinois state after that so we'll get both of those matchups with uh, illinois state out of the way early.
0: Yeah, no easy games in the Valley. Unless it's Valpo.
1: <laughs> any any other thing you want to touch on with uh, Illinois State? Were we ready to sign off our last pot of 2023? Oh, I should ask you, this being the last pot of 2023, put you on the spot. What was your favorite Drake game of 2023, the entire year? So you can go back to last season.
0: I mean, Bradley in the championship has to be number one, just because it was a blast watching... Drake play at their full potential, absolutely running the Braves out of the gym. Um, but uh, I mean, and Miami was so much fun for 90% of it. Yeah. I <laughs> was gonna exclude I mean, the last the ending. Miami was a blast.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, it's it's hard not to say destroying Bradley uh in the conference championship game. Like you said, full potential, everything's clicking completely in control from opening tip but the miami game was really fun too even though we lost that game you saw why drake had a legitimate shot at making a run to the sweet 16 so even though it didn't come to fruition i think think you saw it in display why that team had that potential that could
0: have gone to the elite eight at least
1: Yeah, I know. I know. And people who aren't Drake fans are probably like, oh, you know, the Drake homerism is just spilling out of spilling out of the pod. But that team really gave Miami a lot of trouble. Uh, Miami that Miami team that ended up making it to the final four. I still maintain that that was their toughest matchup leading up to the final four. That was the toughest game that they played this season i mean the nevada game was it was pretty great as well but yeah it's been it's been a good 2023 for drake fans
0: yeah it's been great in the name of continuing that greatness i just want to provide a shout out to the do great collective and encourage anyone out there who's a big fan of drake basketball to sign up to give to the do great collective they do a lot of awesome work in the community and uh, will help us continue to get the caliber of players we have right now that have made Drake one of the winningest college basketball programs in the country. There you go. We're not even sponsored by them, and we still give them shout-outs. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I, I lose count of the number of sponsors that we have, you know, 23, 24, who knows at this point.
0: Coca-Cola,
1: Disney. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, you know, we turn away so many people from trying to sponsor us. But, no, in all seriousness, do great. Do great collective. Any other parting
0: shots? Um, no, that's that's all I got right now. How about you?
1: Oh, well, we'll start out conference play again in 2024, and we'll hope uh, the Bulldogs uh, can have another great year.
0: All right, let's do it, man. Go dogs. Go dogs.